Welcome to the Turkey Hunter Podcast, the original all-turkey, all-the-time podcast with your co-hosts Andy Galliano and Cameron Weddington. In our weekly podcast, we're going to bring you some wild turkey calling tips like this. From there, we're going to go into, she's aggravated, there's another hen that's challenged her, or she's challenging another hen, she's going to cut an excited yelp. Advice from old pro turkey hunters like this. The turkeys typically don't like, I think, more times than not, to travel in an easterly direction into the sun first thing in the morning, especially after he gets up. It's a blinding thing. It, it, it's just like you. It's hard for you to see into the sun. Mm-hmm. So if I have a choice, I'm going to try to make it so that I'm going to be on the west side in the morning east side in the afternoon of a turkey exciting live hunts like this holy crap they're coming teach you how to cook your bird with advice such as this with some fresh rosemary and garlic and then cool that off and spread that along the inside of that butterflied turkey breast that we've seasoned on both sides wildlife management tips for your property especially with turkeys like this if you look at the type of habitats that turkeys need for nesting and brooding that tends to be habitat that can be managed more successfully with growing season fire than with dormant season fire. And hopefully along the way, we'll get plenty of these. Well, on November the 28th of 1953, I was attached when I popped out of my mom and the baby doctor spanked me on the bottom. I went, oh, and I've been doing it ever since. <laughs> I like that. Thank you for tuning in, and now, for this week's show. Hello, and welcome back to this week's episode of the Turkey Hunter Podcast. You are listening to episode number 426, Traveling and Turkey Hunting, with Ron Jolly. And I am your co-host, and the guy who is deleting and uploading. And I'm your co-host and the guy who passed the century mark. You're 100 now? <laughs> I'm 100 coons in since February. Yes, sir. That's pretty strong. So I'm at 185 total, but 100 coons. Actually, 102 coons, but felt good to pass the triple digits on raccoons. Yeah, no doubt. Man, that's awesome. Yeah, it's been, you know, when we had Grant Woods on our podcast, I guess probably a year and a half ago, he said once he caught them all, he started only catching males. Mm-hmm. And I'm seeing the exact same thing on our farms because I believe the coons are in rut now looking for love or maybe searching out further for food to get ready for the rut, whatever it may be. Yeah. I haven't caught a female in weeks. Possum or coon, all males. Interesting. Yeah. 
and big males too. So I think I'm picking off all the neighbors' male coons right now, which is fine with me. Yeah. yeah. So nothing wrong with that at all. Yeah. Hunter coons, sixty something possums, a bobcat, a couple coyotes, five skunks. It's been been war on predators around here. It's just unbelievable. I can promise the listeners if you go start trapping, you will be absolutely shocked at how many of those creatures live on your property. Oh yeah, there's no doubt. I mean shocked. I would have never thought we had that many possums because you never see one. Maybe roadkill every now and then, but you just don't ever see them. It's you unbelievable. Guys have a mess of possums. I'm stomping the possums. There's an unbelievable. These like if it's like a drizzly, warm, rainy night, the traps are full of possums. I don't know why. They just go crazy. Hmm. And coons doing well on them. Caught caught an 18 and a half pounder the other day. He was a big dude. Man, that's a stud. That's, I mean, that's literally the same weight as a gobbler in a coon. Yeah, no joke. Yeah. So I was. I bet he's sucked down an egg in his life. So that I'm excited. I'm. I'm pumped to have gotten rid of them all and saw a nice flock of 28 turkeys with four big long beards were standing there watching me shoot a coon in the face which felt good it's like they were looking at me like thank you that 18 pounder that'll make some good coon fajitas yeah yeah nah i don't think i'm gonna make fajitas out of him huh well i got too many duck fajitas to be throwing coon uh, on there well that's true that's true you could (laughs) you could grind them all together then you'd never know, and you'd be able to get rid of that coon meat. Probably true. That taco seasoning I use could go on shoe leather, and it would taste like taco meat. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, speaking of that, you know, I cooked some venison last night. I'm and I'm off topic, and I'll get to my guy who thing in just a second. But I cooked some venison last night using a different marinade recipe. A little yeah, different how was than that? what I gave you. It was out of this world. Well, you know how to text me. Yep. So and I'll be sharing that one with you. It was fantastic. I still got some deer from you. So Well, you'll enjoy this. Yeah, shoot that to me. What What are you editing on? I assume computer, deleting, and Onyx pens? I am deleting and uploading. I am deleting some predator call sounds off my predator. All right. And I Not am working for you? uploading some other sounds. Well, so you guys are, you're getting a lot of these updates and little blurbs from me and so you can kind of see how how my deer season is going Mm -hmm. i'm way more interested in predator hunting than i am deer hunting yeah but the rut's about to start so i'll get interested in trying to call some deer in because that's cool i just you know enjoy calling critters in so predator calling for me is a blast and i've been listening a lot to jeff nimnick's podcast and yeah you know, when he and Rick Paulette are on that podcast together and they're talking about all the different kind of sounds that they have on Rick's predator callers and, and that kind of thing, you know, they say, look, don't just get hung up in making the same prey sounds at every set that you make. Try some different prey sounds, even some prey sounds from critters that you don't have in your area. Like, just to give you an example, we don't have jackrabbits in Alabama, but mm-hmm. try a jackrabbit sound. And see if, you know, a lot of times that'll work, even though you don't have them there. It's just that sound of something dying or in distress that brings in the prey animals so or the predator animals. Mm -hmm. So I said, you know what? Screw that. They're experts. I know it all. Yeah, those two things don't go together. But (laughs) (laughs) what I don't have on my predator collar, because it has a limited 
storage capacity and limited library to where I'm only allowed to have 24 calls, 24 different sounds on that call. Mm, yeah. So I have to delete things in order to add things. Well, there was no coyote fight, no coyote pup distress sound on there. So that's what I did. I don't know, whatever New Year's Day was, Monday, Sunday, Sunday. That's what I did Sunday was sit in front of the TV and just upload new sounds that I wanted, more coyote sounds, and delete some of those prey sounds for the critters that we don't have around here off of my collar. So I'm nice. excited about getting back out in the woods this, this weekend. And oddly enough, I'll probably be doing some deer calling and some predator calling at my <laughs> stands all weekend long. So it'll be fun. Heck yeah. Well, if listeners can't notice a theme here, we're trying to kill the predators. Yes. <laughs> I yeah. mean, that's I mean, it. I You'll hear Jolly today mention some things about predators. Yeah. And you look at Tennessee's studies they've done. You look at Iowa's studies they've done. You look at any study that's been done anywhere. The main issue all of them have in common is mammalian predators eating the eggs. Yeah. Every well, single one of them. We've said and, it before on this show recently, even in the predator series that we did trapping predator series it's going to be us who brings trapping back it's going yeah. to be us turkey hunters quail hunters pheasant hunters any kind of ground nesting bird that we hunt it's going to be up to us to get yeah. rid of the predators that prey on those birds on while they're on the ground and also while they're sitting on nests yeah so and Man, I got to tell you, I have a lot of hope actually right now because of this farm we're doing for quail. Yeah. it. We have so many quail this year. That's I awesome. mean, wild, never released a bird out there, bobwhite quail. And I don't even, honestly, we don't even know how many we have. We have in excess of eight coveys that we've found so far. Man. Maybe more. Uh, you know, it's actually probably closer to 10. And they're huge. I mean, I saw a covey the other day with 30, 40 birds in it. Wow. And it's just incredible. It took three years and they're back yeah. in huge numbers because the quail are made to propagate. But oh, absolutely. We're burning our grasses. We're killing everything that walks on that property that eats an egg. Mm-hmm. And we removed a lot of the areas that were being shaded out so that the, it's more of a grassland now. And it's yeah. just incredible. The, the response we've seen, I did, my dad's elated. I mean, there's so, he went out there for an hour the other day and had three cubby rise shots. Oh, I bet he loved that. I mean, it's just, it's like he, he was, he said it the other day. He's like, it's like the old days. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's cool. over the moon. And so I'm, I'm so full of hope after seeing this. I'm like, you know what? It can be done. If we can bring quail back, we can definitely do it with turkeys. We can do it with quail. It just is a matter of enough people caring across a broad landscape to make it where it's widespread. That's exactly right. But as far as here, we've got a an island out in the middle of this county that still has quail. <laughs> <laughs> well, But, you know, it's cool. We, we took the neighboring um, farm owner. She went riding horses with us and saw how cool it was to quail hunt and see the grasses and the birds that live there. And she called my dad the other day and said, Hey, I want to talk to you about how to enroll ours in that. Oh, that's so great. We may double our quail footprint. It's just incredible. I, we can't get over how many birds there are. It, it's truly incredible. Yeah. Yeah. That's really cool. So, well, you know, I regret not 
forcing you to take me by that farm while I was there visiting. So I know. You should you'll have to come back, I guess. Yeah, I'll have to come back Twist and your arm. harass some of your deer, some of your predators yeah. and Yeah, the freaking deer are everywhere right now. I think they I think they got pretty hungry from that freeze. I've been seeing them. It's I saw five bucks the other day all together. I guess they're done rutting and hmm. back with the boys. Yeah. <laughs> Man, the cold absolutely beat our food plots down. I mean, they're like brown, mm-hmm. fried like them, sprayed glyphosate on them. Yeah, crazy, crazy, yeah. crazy. So yeah, the deer are well, gonna be up, moving around, and hungry. That's for sure. Because there's all that browse that we normally have in the woods. There's not a leaf on a briar or honeysuckle right now. So yeah, well. The good news is everything may be brown, but Andy, in 55 days, me and you are going to be chasing wild turkeys in, in some green landscape. I'm ready to do it. And in <laughs> 79 days, 13 hours, 50 minutes, and 34 seconds, we'll be chasing them in the great state of Alabama. Oh, that's closing in. And <laughs> Today crazy. we wrap up our series with a guest. Me and you will tackle this topic next week, just us. But we talked to Ron Jolly about half of this show about traveling. He gives some great tips, answer a couple listener questions that came in. And then the second half, we're going to get a big update on how things are going with turkeys for tomorrow, an organization that we have promoted and joined and just really think highly of. And so why don't you say we get in here with Ron, hear how he goes about his travels yeah, or how he used to. He says he's more of a homebody now, but how he used to go about traveling, because we know he's well-traveled. Yes. When you're the cameraman with primos, you go places. (laughs) (laughs) So let's get in here and talk to Ron and get that and an update about Turkish for tomorrow. We'll see you guys on the other side. Hey, everybody. Cameron and I are glad to tell you that we have on the phone with us tonight the one and only Ron Jolly, and we're going to be discussing traveling and turkey hunting and... You guys, if you've listened to this show for any length of time and you've been a turkey hunting nut and a book reading fool, then you know Ron's got a book out there that's outstanding. And, you know, I I have heard rumor, it's probably not much of a rumor because I think it came directly from him, that there's (laughs) another book being worked on. So we may pick his brain on that and just kind of check status on that as well and We'll get some, um, I know some great tips because Ron traveled for a lot of years as a videographer. And so we, uh, I'm, I'm sure he's just a wealth of knowledge on this. And so let's just jump in this thing. Ron, tell me how everything is in your world. Hey guys, thank y'all for having me on. My world is busy. That's all I can tell you. It's, That's good. It's very busy. It's been 20 22 was an awesome year for Tess and me. We got a lot of things done. We got a lot of things we didn't get done, too. But the book that you mentioned is getting a little further down the road. Uh, Turkeys for Tomorrow is kind of taking up most of my time. I'm working on it a little bit, but I don't know if I'm going to live long enough to get it finished, guys. I, I, I used up most of my good stuff in the first one, I can tell you. <laughs> but um, <laughs> It's, uh, you know, I, I get up every day and I'm thankful for this little piece of dirt that Tess and I own and are able to manage. And between that and turkeys for tomorrow and other things that we're doing, there's just not a lot of time left to write. So I appreciate you mentioning we are considering 
doing a hardback, a limited edition hardback version of, of the first Memories of Spring. We keep saying we're going to do it. We just got to make time. I, I, I really want to do that. I want to see I want to see her photos in this book in color. And everybody have a chance to own one of probably a limited edition of 300. So that's one. That's kind of where we are right now. I'm going to go ahead and send you a check. You just I'm going to <laughs> leave the leave the amount blank, and you just write in whatever you feel like it needs to be. For a copy, be careful. Of be careful. <laughs> well, you, you know, there's not many that. people I do that for, but but you, I trust. Well, thank you, Andy, and you guys. I I I spent is is funny. Yesterday, I, we have a lot of hardwood trees in our yard, and it's it's a big yard and big old water oaks, and red oaks, and other trees. So I kind of wait till all the leaves fall before I start trying to gather them up. So that was been my job for the last week. Mm. And I got this little sweeper that I hook behind my tractor, and I sweep them up, go dump them, and burn them at this place. And went down to the pond with about the 40th load yesterday, and a big bald eagle swooped out of a big red oak on the pond there, and just kind of casually sailed across the pond, came back, paraded right in front of me, and landed on the north end, and sat there and watched me do that the rest of the day. So that's the first one we've ever we've seen them fly over here, but that's the first one that ever tried to come catch our fish. <laughs> yeah, and that's cool. That is neat. Yeah, I've had the, uh, well, I'm going to call it the pleasure of seeing one while I was turkey hunting in Alabama, but knowing what they do to poults, I don't know that it was that much of a pleasure, but I mean, it it was not even, I'd say, 100 yards off the river, and there were a pair of them, and I saw just a big bird out of the corner of my eye land up in a in a tree probably. 45 yards from me and it wasn't maybe 20 seconds later I saw another one swoop in there at it and the first the first one dropped out of the tree down to the ground and the second one landed up in the tree up above it and that's when I got a view and I said well that's an eagle and then I realized the other one was an eagle and I guess they were uh, surely they already had eggs in a nest and had youngins but I don't know if that was some more um extracurricular activities or some more courting going on but not in turkey season they're they've they've already hatched by then and i was trying to feed them and some of you know i'm I'm sure they haven't fledged yet but if you don't mind i'll give you a little tom kelly quote here yeah tom kelly said i used to have the utmost respect for bald eagles they're majestic birds when i realized that they ate coots as their main part of their diet I lost all respect for them. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty good. Yeah. yeah. If if y'all want to see some eagles, I went duck hunting up on Real Foot Lake here in Tennessee, and you can see some eagles there. That place is loaded in them. Yeah. It's yeah. unbelievable. Well, that's, great. that's another great success story, guys, because those things were on the verge, and, and a bunch of people got concerned and figured out the problem. And, you know, they've got their place, and they – they do. Oh yeah. So I, I just I, I'm I'm happy to see one here, um, and if they catch a pole every now and again, so be it. That's that's just nature as it as it goes. Mm-hmm. That's the way God that's the way God made it to work. Yeah. Well, in that case, we've got to do better about getting better habitat, making better habitat for the turkeys, so that they've got places where they can hide from those avian predators, and it's not just 
eagles as hawks and owls and crows and you know they got all kind of threats so we've got to do better we got to do our part better to keep them around well there's a lot that we can talk about there uh if you want to the lead you gave me on on this was we're going to talk about traveling i can give you nightmares i can give you success stories <laughs> i've been i've been there with no boots i've been there with boots that i didn't own i mean it's <laughs> If y'all want to get into that, let's go, boys. I, I, we can talk about that for a while. <laughs> yeah, let's let's get into the, the topic of the night, and then we'll get an update on TFT and what you got going on with that as well towards the end of the yes, sir. show. Thank you. All right, good deal. Cameron, you got a, you've got well, a I'll, couple I'll, uh, of questions from some listeners, don't you? Yeah. Uh, speaking of boots, I had a, a listener ask me to talk about with our next guest, about boots, uh, I I wouldn't mind hearing some of these stories you've had with boots. Well, I my advice to anybody is buy the best boots you can afford, and I always mm-hmm. wear snake boots. Mm-hmm. Um, I never I would I've always wanted a pair of Russell moccasins, but I never did it. I'm too old to do it now. Spend that money, but I I wear um, Irish Setter. Irish Setter makes a very very comfortable durable set of snake boots but don't take one pair no matter what always take a pair of rubber boots mm-hmm. for the because it don't have to be raining if you go through two fields your feet are wet and most of the the what's it cordura outer and, yep. and gore-tex boots after a year your boots every time you go across two fields in the morning the big day your feet are going to be wet so i always mm-hmm. carry a pair of rubber boots for the morning and a pair of, just as soon as the dew dries and I get to my truck, I change back to my snake boots. And, you know, your feet, you know, I don't know how it is. I don't think it's quite like it was back in the day, but your feet were how you got where you were going. We didn't have golf carts and UTVs <laughs> and all that stuff. You walk and it ain't fun with with a set of wet boots on, rubbing blisters on your heels, because you can you can absolutely ruin a hunt with blisters on your heels. Yes, indeed. Oh yeah, that's a fact. There, there's something about those wet, dewy fields. It's like that soaks through your boots more than if you literally walked through a creek. I don't know. I don't know what it is about like a dewy wheat field or something that makes them so wet. I think it's because you spend more time in the field than you do across the creek. <laughs> yeah, that's got to be. That's a great tip. I I typically do the same on my trips. I take one pair of hikers and my rubber boots. And have you ever had those snake boots save you per se? You ever had a snake pop one of them? No, sir. I have not. But I can tell you a story about a friend of mine, Mike Lingo, and I were in Mississippi and we were going to, we were, we had roosted a turkey and we were coming out and it was dusk. And we came to this little thick place, and so we were just walking side by side trying to pick our way through it, and the rattlesnake started buzzing in between it. I think Lingo left one boot there, and I left the brown streak. Because <laughs> 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 he was right there somewhere, and we couldn't see him. <laughs> Y'all didn't stick around looking for him? No. <laughs> no. Yeah. You hear one of them, you don't have to ask twice what it is. Yep, you're right about that. So as far as packing the boots... Or what are you, what are you doing there? Are you wearing a pair and packing a pair? Or are you just packing both and dealing with extra baggage fees and more limited space in your bags? What are you doing? One thing I do with 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 all my boots, 
when I travel. I try, you know, if I'm driving, I don't worry about any of this. I got a big old truck bed. I put everything in there I think I won't need. Yeah. And if I take tests, we got stuff we won't need for 20 years, but it's there. <laughs> it's there. I mean, who would ever thought you'd need a, um, a Band-Aid for your ear or whatever? She's always got that stuff. But for me, if I'm flying or most of the time when I'm flying, I learned I try to check one bag and my gun. Mm-hmm. And and in that bag, it's a big bag, and it's got usually used to be 45 pounds minimum, I mean maximum on that check bag. Mm-hmm. Well, it's just a big old soft duffel bag that I can lock and then when I put my boots in there, I put I put a layer of my clothes, then I put my boots, and I stack them so they're not all all the there's the foot in and then the leg in, so they don't you know they don't get oblong you know stacked up all on one end. But I also inside my boots I stuff uh, shirts and I don't care if they're wrinkled or not. I think camouflage does a better job wrinkled than it does pressed. So I just stuff as much stuff in those boots as I can to, mm-hmm. to fit the face. Um, I do not, I, I try to carry one check on, one carry on bag that's got essentials like my laptop and, and my little camera that I carry if I carry it. And, you know, I, I try not, I try to make it as simple as possible, but turkey hunters are, I don't carry decoys on, on trips like that. I don't use decoys anyway, but some people do, but why? It's, it's easier to go buy you a set when you get there and leave them to that guy if you're gonna need decoy, <laughs> yeah. than, than take the chance of trying to check it through all that stuff mm-hmm. and be as simple as you can um, with your gun. Uh, when you check a gun, and I've not done this in several years, I don't not since the COVID pandemic, but used to, I would have my gun in a in a hard case, unlocked but the padlock is inside the deal. So when you open it up, you have your, your shells and everything that they're going to ask you about where they can plainly see. Easy check. Open it up. There it is. And the breach open on, a, on, on the weapon. So they can plainly see it's unloaded. And your shells are in the box there so they can look through it. And when they open it up and they get done, I pick that padlock up and they watch me lock it right there. Yeah. And then it's there. And I don't have to worry about it unless it doesn't get where I'm going. Yeah. That's, uh... the, other, the other thing I, w- I would like to say is um, weather-wise, I, you know, turkey season most anywhere. I've, I've hunted in Wisconsin or Michigan, turkey hunted in a flat-out, white-out snow. Turkeys don't seem to mind that too much. They <laughs> It's that time of year. They know it's not going to last long. Uh, it changes them, but you got to be prepared for that stuff. And carry multiple layers of clothes be prepared mm-hmm. with with on your legs and for your feet and your upper body i mean i don't i, I hardly ever go anywhere without a hoodie or something that you know that you can pre- be prepared for that rain i always put a little light slicker in that big bag uh, just the top usually you know you got four or five days on a hunt like this and if you don't pack correctly you can really <laughs> you can really be miserable if you're going to go out and do it in inclement weather yeah mm-hmm. no doubt yeah what are you doing as far as your your calls are concerned how are you protecting those when you travel i put my vest in that bag and everything 
my calls, my clippers, my butt pad, and everything is the top layer of that bag. And I, I turn it face down. So in other words, the butt pad on 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 my vest as it's padding for the stuff that gets dropped on top of all that. Mm-hmm. And my box calls or friction calls, I'll put a piece of bubble wrap around it if I'm flying. And of course, don't do that when I'm driving. I don't. I'm not anticipating a wreck, but I'm always anticipating a, a, something to happen in the baggies area of an airport because <laughs> if it i've seen them i have sat on a plane and watched them unload my camera gear when i was videoing everywhere and throw a thirty thousand dollar camera in a hard case off a cart onto the tarmac just boom bounce around yeah you'll put it in in the plane so i never had one that didn't work but i certainly wouldn't unloaded it that way <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah they're pretty rough on them yeah, you know, I, I probably need to keep some bubble wrap from the next Amazon packages delivered here at the house. You know, usually I just take mine and wrap them up in some clothing, you know, take them out of the out of the vest and wrap them in clothing. But that's, you know, which works. But my experience, and I know Cameron and I are going to talk about our traveling experiences and the way we do things next week. But my experience is... If I've got anything that's going to look questionable running through an x-ray, I want it at the top of the bag so that TSA doesn't have to dig through the entire bag because they're not going to take care to repack that bag as well as I did to pack it the first time. Mm. So, Well, you're, you're exactly right. But it's like, For instance, I don't feel at home in the turkey woods without a set of, of clippers mm-hmm. uh, to, to cut stuff out of the way, to build a little blind or whatever you need. But they're not going to... They're not going to question that stuff in the checkout bags like they do if you're trying to carry it on. Don't try to carry that oh, on. Yeah. yeah, Don't try to do that. It's 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 just common sense in the world we live in that anything that somebody doesn't know what we're going to do can can look at a thing like a set of ratchet cutters and say that's that's a threat on, on for a carry on. So you put that in your check on check check baggage, and it's it's really hard to do this in in one bag. So you get a big bag and <laughs> you just pack it in there and, and it, sometimes i've had to pay a penalty for weight but i'm not willing to throw something in the garbage <laughs> to take it with me yeah <laughs> if it's there i need it yeah no doubt so back when you were traveling with a camera a video camera all the time and you may still do that for all i know but what were you doing in that case would you put the the video camera i guess it had its own case and you would just have two or three, or actually, I guess, three bags that you would check, your your duffel bag, a gun case, and your camera case? Most of the time, when back in the day when I was videoing, I didn't need a gun. Everybody else had the guns. I was a guy. Okay. So I, there were, uh, I was in, in very north Montana with, with a gentleman named Mike Handback, who was a very prolific outdoor writer and now is the host of Big Deer TV. And we had a hunt there for, for Mike, and I went there to video him. And it was a Northwest flight, and I could check three bags and carry on two back in the day. Mm-hmm. So, you know, all, one of them was all my camera gear in one big box. One was all my heavy clothing and, you know, whatever else I needed to do my job. I also had two carry-on bags, and one of them was a, a laptop with, with everything I needed to do that. And the other one was just whatever I wanted to take. Because it was all legal, so Mike killed a, a really nice hundred and close to hundred fifty inch ten point on, on 
on that hunt. So we decided we were going to come home early because the United States started bombing Afghanistan after the 9-11 deal. Mm -hmm. We didn't know what we were supposed to be doing, but we didn't want to be in North Montana when our families were in Georgia and Alabama. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So we we decided to just come home on standby. So... (laughs) The, it was a three flight. It was a two stop flight from the little airport that we left to get to Billings. And we get to Billings. All this stuff is on my plane, on the plane. And you walked across the tarmac and went in. So my little two carry on bags I had on my shoulder, and all my check bags were in the cargo bay of the plane. Well, things changed that day, guys, because Northwest had adopted a new policy that one carry on and two check ons, and they went through my bag. And one of my carry-ons had my tools, my, my screwdriver set, my Allen set, my all my stuff that I had always carried to work on gear when it was going, you know, when it needed repair or mm-hmm. an adjustment, whatever. Well, they were throwing that stuff in the trash can. Just boom, but okay, that's fine. So when you walked through, after you went through that check, you had to go back into the terminal and back to the check desk. And then I had to pay $150 for my extra bag because they changed it. So I learned how to, I learned how to do things a little different after that, because that's you know, the world you live in. When you, when you, when you travel and, and things change like that, that was a monumental change for this country. And I got caught in the middle of it. What, what could I do? I wasn't going to make a stink about it, but I didn't think I tried to convince that lady that maybe she should apply that to my next trip, but that didn't work. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, no doubt. What do you take for water? For I personally am like a camel. Like I have to have gallons of water throughout the day. I I just drink a ton of water. Do you carry bottles of water or like a pouch or do you carry water with you while you're turkey hunting? I always try to carry a, a bottle of bottled water in, mm-hmm. in my in my pack, and I crunch it down as I drink it. I crunch it down so it don't slop, slop, slop back and forth in the bottle. So yeah. I keep pushed out of it so it doesn't make noise but if if i if i can't get by on a 16 ounce bottle of water i'm old enough to know just go back to the truck and get another one <laughs> yeah well it's definitely drink something out, I, don't that... drink, I don't i don't drink out of running streams anymore i can tell you that <laughs> <laughs> is there a story that goes along with that yes sir it was it happened in wyoming and we were on an elk hunt and we ran out of water and that part of Wyoming was pretty arid. We were on horseback, and we came across this beautiful mountain stream, and horses drank. I said, I got to have a drink. I got down, lapped me up a mouthful. We turned down that stream, and about 80 yards down, it was a dead cow in it. Mm. So, oh, I, Lord. We were upstream, but I don't know what was upstream from us. But that changed my opinion on drinking out of streams anymore. Yeah, well. So nothing happened. You just saw what could have happened had you been a 150 yards further downstream. I think if I had been 150 yards downstream and, and drank that water and saw that cow, I'd probably been in panic mode. But no, I didn't. I've never gotten sick or felt bad from it. It's just too many things now. You know, nowadays. Yeah, yeah no doubt. Yeah. Well, that's. Uh, I have to have water. I don't know why. I just feel more comfortable on a hunt especially if it's may and hot i've got a you know once you get up on top of the hill you recline and you get a good swig it just kind of revitalizes you (laughs) 
there's a there's a bunch of, of I don't I can't name any of them by name, but there are a lot of products now that you can just dip up that water and put a pill in it and it purifies it. But I don't mm-hmm. I'm not familiar, I'm not familiar with those. Yeah. How yeah. much how much are you relying on a weather forecast when you're packing? That's all I got to go by. But I I have I have a I have a mantra that I go by. I always carry more than I need because I can always take it off. Mm-hmm. If I don't have, I can't put it on. Yeah. So yeah. I, I dress, I dress plenty warm for the mornings and plan on taking off layers throughout the day. And that's where your pack comes in. You buy your your vest. I use a. They don't they don't even make these things anymore. But I've used it. It started out as an Efforts Lounge, and a, I forget the name of the company that made that thing. But it's got a frame where you can just. Set on the ground. You don't have to have a tree. You can sit anywhere and have back support. Mm-hmm. But it's got a big old pouch in the back. You can put a, a gobbler in it, fold him up, and drop the orange flap on it, and walk out. And you know, it, it's it's supported on your shoulders and on your hips. And so, I don't. I most of the time walk out without a gobbler, but I most of the time walk out with a bunch of clothes back there that that I've taken off if it's cold. Because like Cameron said, when you start hiking and and humping and climbing hills and mm-hmm. you get warm a lot quicker than you think mm-hmm. as far as binoculars are concerned do you hunt with binox at home and on the road i carry a small pair of, of steiners that i've had for years they're i think they're eight by 24s or something okay uh, they're just for reference i mean i save myself a lot of steps by not chasing that stump turkey <laughs> <laughs> The stump turkey, or you get up there and it's a flock of hens with no tom with them. Yeah, that too. Yeah. Or a buzzard. Like, yeah, or a buzzard. <laughs> or a cow that was facing you. Yeah, uh, all kinds of those binoculars save you lots of steps. So I always have a small pair that, I mean, they're only like five inches long and they fold up to two and a half, three inches wide. And they're, they're pretty poor quality uh, after all these years, but they're good enough that yeah. I can identify. I, I don't actually hunt. With binoculars, I, I hunt with my ears more than I do with my eyes. Um, just the way the terrain that I hunt, and I'm, I'm not a, I hate hunting a field turkey. I try to get in the woods. I will. Don't get me wrong. I've been suckered down that path a bunch of times, but yeah, that's the binoculars come in and open terrain for me. I don't just sit there and scan the terrain trying to see one. I, I try to get one to respond to a call. That's the turkey I'm hunting. Yeah. When you were, I mean, do you still travel much to turkey hunt, or are you more homebody on turkey hunting now that you're not, you know, running around with primos and doing all the filming and all that stuff? I'm very much the homebody. Okay. I I, I like it that way. I I, I'm, I don't. I, I was blessed. I killed two birds last year. I killed one in Alabama. And I killed one in Kansas. Um, that was a pretty good trip for Tess and me and. Had a lot of fun, and we had tags that we left on the table. I'm, I just think with the situation the way it is, I mean, I've got tags that I leave on. The, it, I don't want to kill but one bird on a hunt. If I if I can kill, I could have killed two in Kansas. But the guy was telling me, he says, well, we got one turkey now. We had 10 four years ago. Mm-hmm. So I went, I went and killed my one. Tess killed her one, and, and we came home. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was enough. And I think we all need to think about that at some point. Yeah. Yeah. I totally yeah. agree on that. You know, there's, I, I'm not real sure why I think a lot of guys just attribute 
how many turkeys they kill to how good of a turkey hunter they are. And, you know, I hear a lot of stories of, of guys that, you know, set a goal to kill 25, 30, 50 turkeys in a, in a year, of course, you know, traveling around and doing that. And I don't know. I, I mean, to me, look, I, I would love to be able to kill 25 or 30 or 50 in a year, but I just, I can't do it. I mean, even if they were, the turkeys were stacked up on top of each other, riding each other in in full strut, stacked <laughs> up 10 high, I couldn't do it. I just, you know, I don't know. I mean, and that may change, you know, when, when I finish the super slam and I'm not just interested in getting a bird in a state and moving on, you know, maybe I'll stay there for a little while and, and kill, you know, two birds or three birds, but I don't, I just don't really see that happening much. I think what it will end up happening is, you know, if I'm lucky enough to kill my one, then I'll fish in the afternoons and go out and try to video one in the morning or, you know, something like that. You know, to me, that's just as good as smacking one down and cutting the breast out of him and having to haul that home. Well, Andy, I, I think we've all, and, and if you, if you're truthful, I think we were all that person who wanted to kill all we could at one time. Mm-hmm. I, you know, but it's different now. In the in the late '90s through the you know, early 2000s, or 10 or 15 years there, when you could do that, and not even, you know, think about it. Yeah. But something's changed, and and we got to figure out how to manage what our expectations are from that resource. Yeah. And. So, you know, I commend you for that, but you know, I'll honestly say that my job for a lot of years was the numbers I put up in the kill column. Oh, yeah. yeah. I didn't actually shoot them, but I had every much, as much to do with killing them as the guy who pulled the trigger. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I just think that it's going to, the time is on us now that we need to rethink this. We need to rethink what what the resource is going through and figure out what the problems are. And I'm not saying that we can't all go back to the good old days. I'm not saying that, but it's going to take some work. Yeah. 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 It's also kind of, uh, I've been to certain states or, you know, maybe hit the pocket of a state where there's turkeys gobbling literally everywhere. The landowner is like, please help me. You know, literally last year I had a lady that was like, please kill as many as you can. I was like, well, limits too, you know? <laughs> and <laughs> in a situation like that, you can just tell, hey, I, I could easily shoot two gobblers and I have not tainted this area at all. But if you go somewhere and you only hear two turkeys gobbling in three days and you kill both of them, you may have done some, you may should have stopped with the first one, you know? To me, it's kind of a gut check of, of how can I harvest a turkey, have a great hunt and not, and leave this place similar to how it was before I found it. And I, I feel like that's kind of the mentality a lot of people need to have. Yeah. If you, if you find the, the big flock and there's 20 gobblers and 10 jakes in it. Yeah. You probably could take two out. No problem. But if it looks like there's kind of struggling around there, you need to take that into account when you try to kill every turkey on that ridge. Well, I, I think that conversation is now out in the public forum. Mm-hmm. That's kind was was pretty mute two years ago oh yeah uh, so, i think i think your organization has been a part of that conversation and and is helping further that the turkeys for tomorrow is is really kind of blown my mind how good y'all have done in this short amount of time <laughs> well i can tell you who's 
responsible for that is guys like you and Andy who are turkey hunters because, you know, all I got to do, I, I had a conversation with Mark Sharp where I listened to y'all's podcast about Unicorn. I listened to it yesterday and I'm going to Unicorn. I've never been and I don't want to step on anybody's toes there. I'm going there to, to see the calls and, and I know a lot of those call makers, but I'm also going there representing turkeys for tomorrow. And I asked him what parameters and he, he asked me very bluntly, and I'm pretty sure as many times as y'all as y'all have interviewed him, he can he can cut to the quick real quick oh, with yeah. his questions and his responses. And he just says, "Okay, Mr. John, what the hell's your organization about, <laughs> and what are you trying to do?" I said, "Mr. Sharp, I'm trying to make sure that my turkeys don't go the way of your quail. That's what TFT's about. That's it. Mm-hmm. That's that's the answer." and do I know how to do that? No, sir. Am I trying every way I can? It was TFT to find that answer. Yes, sir, we are. And so we had a great conversation after that. He was very pointed. And I deal with that every day. I, I You know, we're, we will be two years old on March. Mm, no, we got our 501c3 in February of 20, wasn't it? 21. 21. Okay. Yes, when we got our 501c3. And we set some pretty simple goals. They were, in my mind, uh, they were lofty, but straightforward. One of them, the first goal we set was to have five research projects in five states in five years. Okay? So as of today, we have six research projects in four states, and we're not two years yet. Mm -hmm. So um, is research the answer to everything? No. But that's where you're going to answer these questions. But there, there are other things like taking a common sense stance. I mean, my little farm here, I find two or three nests on this 210 acres every year that I know that mama's sitting on them eggs there. And then next time I go, she's not. And I go over there and it's eggshells laying there. Mm. So we trap. So we trap. We started trapping. And we went We went to the point to where uh, our, our, our winter flock, on this place has gone from 50 to 60 birds down to 14 for two years, mm-hmm. 12 to 14. And this year we got about 30 back. And I think that's partly to do with controlling feral hogs, raccoons, possums, skunks, vermin. Okay. I, I can tell you for a fact that in the state of Tennessee, that Dr. Craig Harper would tell you at the end of a five-year study in five counties in, in South Central Tennessee, that the number one problem they've identified with, with nesting success and poke recruitment is mammalian, mammalian predators. And I have his authority to say that. That's not been published. It will be. Y'all yes. found the, the same thing in the study that Dr. Goolsby's doing in Alabama, right? Where the hens they track were not able to produce one single poke. I can, I can expand on that for you. Cameron, it's not just Dr. Goolsby's study. Well, yeah, Alabama Wildlife. We we had Dr. Goolsby on, I guess, is why I came up no, with no, this no, name. But now let me let me tell you this: in Alabama, there were 20 hens. GPS collar did not raise a single pole. In Oklahoma, there were 28 or nine hens that raised. It had five poles on the ground, and none of them survived past two weeks. The last one had a little radio collar, radio tag on it, transmitter on it, and it was found inside of a cotton mouth snake. In Iowa, 
hundred and a hundred plus hens that raised like fourteen poles. Mm. So, and that's all this past year. So, common sense. Let's let's the the professors and the doctors and the researchers do it in a way that it can't be argued with. But the rednecks like me and you, <laughs> if I go. If I know that a coon put three of the four nests on this place, I'm smart enough to go trap it, okay? <laughs> uh, there's enough redneck in me to eliminate the coons. Nobody cares about coons anymore. They're, they're, not, they're not worth anything, and that goes for all the predators, coyotes, bobcats, a whole gamut. Mm-hmm. So in early September, first week of September, we cut a deal with a company called No BS Traps and Lures. And yeah. so we decided that we were going to offer traps and we're not making money on this. This is something, it's a common sense thing. So here's a, here's a dozen dog proof traps to your door for $135. Go buy them cheaper, find them cheaper anywhere. You can't. Two yeah. dozen is That's 240 cheap. Two dozen is like $240. Mm-hmm. Well, we sold him out in a month. <laughs> he, he's out of inventory. We sold right at a hundred dozen traps. In a month, and people are putting those on the ground on their dirt. We've got an order in for 250 dozen that should be here the middle of this month, and they will be sold. He can't make them fast enough, and and it's going to boil down, guys, to people like us who are turkey hunters taking care of your own dirt, doing everything you can to help turkeys on your dirt where you hunt, where you manage, where you live, mm. and then. And then it grows exponentially. The turkey population does. Yeah. 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 We've, we had a whole series on trapping and I know that Kendall with no BS lures, his traps are absolute top of the line. I I use his coyote traps and they are, they are some good traps. So that, that's a heck of a deal y'all got on your website for this dog proofs. I know if they're made half as good as his coyote traps, that they are going to be solid. Well, evidently nobody's complaining about it. The coons may be. (laughs) Well, there, there's many, many things that, that are coming down the pipe for TFT. One, another one is what we learned with working with Dr. Goolsby and his team last year was when they were trying to, to can a net and trap these hens, they had a lot of trouble. And and granted, his staff was fairly inexperienced. They're new to this. But we embedded Chase Grubbs with, with, with that team. And one of the first things he noticed was one day a week, it took them almost a whole day to go check their cameras. The, they had trail cameras on it and on the possible locations of bait sites and stuff that they wanted to trap. So they would drive into the field to check the camera and flush the turkeys and all this stuff. Mm-hmm. So we worked a deal with a company called Wise Eye Tech. And the Wise Eye cameras were developed in, the, in an effort to deliver a poison to feral hogs. So these cameras are mm. kind of like uh, you can train them. You punch this button, you punch this button. And you, in other words, it takes a picture of everything it walks in front of it, but it won't text the picture to you unless it's what you want, and that's an antler deer. So mm-hmm. you don't eat up your data getting coons and everything else. So we, we approached them about the problem with these guys trying to monitor trap sites. So they donated 40 of these cameras, and they've been distributed to Auburn, University of Georgia, and uh, University of Tennessee. The Mississippi ones won't go out until July. So we'll deploy them or we'll put them to work with these other three universities. But these photos come back 
to a central location in an app called Hunt Control, and Tennessee can look at their 10 cameras there, and Auburn can't see them. Georgia can't see them. We can see them all. Mm. Because and it's just crazy. But those guys don't have to go in there and disturb those sites anymore. Yeah. They don't have to disturb them, except to go change batteries and change cards once a week. Once a week, maybe. I don't know, or once a month. Or how long, depends on how many photos they're taking. But um, we just keep trying to figure out ways where you can apply common sense to a problem that we all recognize, and that's the decline of wild turkeys in this country. And, you know, we're going to do a deal. I'm pretty sure I'll know tomorrow or the next day. We're going to start offering turkey-friendly trees for sale on our website where you can go buy a, a, a pack of 10 or 50 or 100 oak trees that you can plant on your property. We're not just we're not just research. That's the main thing. We're not just research. We want to be we want to be on the forefront of what the problem is and offer solutions that common guy can implement on his dirt. And we want to pull everybody together. We want everybody working for this and the NWTF is working with us on the state level and two of these three three of these four states right now so that's a great thing guys yeah it's getting eyeballs on the problem and we're trying to find the solutions and we're starting to offer some yeah i'm off my sofa now (laughs) yeah no i mean that's that's excellent and that's pretty cool the tree idea y'all got going and the cameras and helping people with predator management i mean i don't know why it seems like many conservation organizations will not touch the predator topic i guess because it's kind of a smoking gun for antis and stuff with trapping and everything i don't i don't know why that is but i'm i'm glad to see y'all not only you're touching the topic you're offering a great deal to help people go catch them <laughs> you can't you can't expect to change something doing the same stuff that didn't work yeah, yeah. right yeah. Yep. Right. So here's 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 another something that I'll mention to you. We were approached by a company in Missouri called NextGen, N-E-X-G-E-N. They are a silica mining company. Silica sand is used in all the bunkers you see on golf courses is silica sand. It's used mm-hmm. in fracking, it's used in all kinds of things. So this company has purchased a two hundred and thirty acre tract of land in St. Genevieve County in Missouri, and they're gonna they're gonna mine it over a thirty or forty year period. They're gonna get that mineral out of the ground, that sand. So what they wanted to do was rather than just dig a hole in the dirt, they approached us about would you be interested in supporting the effort that we want to create a grant that we'll offer to the public and we'll pick up a winner every year and we'll go on his property and we'll in, enhance his turkey habitat. The answer to that is yes. Mm-hmm. For t- yes. Is that controversial? Yep. Other folks won't do it. But if I, that hole's going to get dug whether we do this or not. In the end, mm-hmm. it's going to be a 150 acre public lake that the public owns. Mm-hmm. So in a, in a county that has very limited water access resources so why not do that right why, why and then and then they go in and what does a mining company have at their disposal lots of heavy equipment mm-hmm. lots of manpower so if, if they go and they spend like five times the amount of this application it's going to be matched five or six to one that's not decided yet but they're going to go in and spend 
five or six times what this landowner re- requests that wins this grant and spend it doing fire breaks, invasive removal, timber thinning, whatever he needs on his property to help turkeys. No brainer. Mm. No brainer. Yeah, tell me when that drawing or whatever goes down. I'd like to put in. <laughs> I think you got to be in Missouri, Cameron. <laughs> oh, come on. They get, truly got trailers for all that equipment. <laughs> well, I think it's for that one county in Missouri right now. But, you know, I just... There again, there there are ways that, that we can help. As it's it's like the the Denali we were talking about, Cameron, earlier. Yeah, and you know about that. I don't need to go into it, but they were trying to annex part of that great WMA in Tennessee for development. And yeah, one of the top four, turkey harvesting WMAs we have. Yes, and and four organizations: Tennessee Wildlife Federation. SEI, Backwoods Hunters and Anglers, and TFT put a shoulder to that. No, that's that's public land for hunters. And it was on the floor of the legislature for six days. And when we got behind it, it got pulled. Yep, yep. So, that would have been a, a shame to have lost that public land in Tennessee. It's, it's, it's a crazy world I live in, guys. I, I, mean, I told you how I put my underwear and my boots, but I told you what I'd spend most of my time doing these days and it's what we talked about the last 10 minutes is is trying mm-hmm. to trying to figure out what we can do to reverse this downward trend of the turkey population I, I just that's what i live and breathe anymore yeah is there anything else coming up for tft that people need to know about any events or any way that folks can help out or what 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 can we look for in the next you know turkey season's right around the corner but Outside of that, with TFT, is there anything coming up we need to be looking forward to? Well, in the beginning, we didn't think we would have to have members, but we do. We've been told that by too many of our our big sponsors and partners. They're looking for mailing lists and and followings to to be able to support us. So March 20th of this year, we launched the membership drive, or, or 2022, we launched the membership drive, and we set a goal of having a thousand members one year later we're beyond that right now um also um we're going to start and starting in february through march and we're going to have we're going to launch chapters um we're going to we set a lowly goal of having 10 chapters you know this year in 2023 we did that to try to make sure we get it right we don't have the personnel the manpower at this point to, to handle and manage many more than that. But there's going to be, I think, two, possibly three in Alabama, one in North Carolina, one in Ohio, one in Florida, one in Oklahoma, one in Georgia, and one in uh, Louisiana. Nice. That's the one that's in my head right now. So that's just an effort to unite turkey hunters, to give yep. them a place to go to, and see where the money's going and to see what, can be done when turkey hunters unite and address it and just put your shoulder to it and try to just it doesn't take a lot it 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 really doesn't this has been a lot easier than i thought it would be as far as the effort it's just having the time this is what i do every day guys i mean i'm it's nine o'clock almost and i started at seven o'clock this morning and (laughs) most of this day that's what i'm doing I commend y'all on the, on the Unicorn Show. That was very good. 
I, I enjoyed listening to Mr. Sharp and what he does there. And he's a lot like us. He's not trying to step on toes. He's trying to preserve something that's dear, near and dear to his heart. Mm-hmm. And that's what we're trying to do. Yeah. So, Ron, I just got to tell you, and I mean this in a good way, but I'm mad at you. And I'm mad at you. And I'm, I'm mad at me and Cameron just as much as I'm mad at you. But I'm mad at you because if we can ever do anything as co-host of the Turkey Hunter podcast to help turkeys for tomorrow, then please reach out and let us know. And we need to do a better job of reaching out to you because I had no idea that TFT was now bringing members on. And I know those membership dollars are going to support the mission. And so you're minus one member I know of that would absolutely join if he had known that there was an opportunity to join. So I'll be doing buying my membership tonight. And, you know, whether it's having you come on and you're you're welcome. If you've got an announcement you want to make, you're welcome to have a call with me and or Cameron. You don't have to have both of us, but we can record it, you know, a 10 or 15 minute little call and we can throw that on the beginning or end of a show, an upcoming episode, just with any kind of announcement or, you know, just call us and say, hey, you know, I don't necessarily need to be on there with you guys, but if would you please announce that we're doing such and such? And we are more than happy to help you guys in any way possible that we can help you. And, you know, this is this, I guess, stool that we're on here, you know, standing on and, and doing our preaching on every week is a great way to inform quite a few people with not much effort. And so let us know what we can do to help out TFT. And we're happy to, to do that part and, and, you know, try to help the the cause. Thank you so much, Andy. That, that means a ton to me. Uh, this is a, a grassroots deal that started with when 12 old guys got together and started talking about the problem. And I think the whole landscape has changed in less than two years. You mm-hmm. could not you could not have this conversation two years ago. Nobody wanted to hear that there was a problem. So we're we're very proud to to push that issue and and try to make a difference. And I know as we get this word out to more turkey hunters that that they are they're the same. We're we're all brothers in this. I do want to let you know that you're probably going to be madder at me. <laughs> When I tell you this, if you got a minute, <laughs> please lay it on me. Um, later this month, toward the end of the month, you're going to start seeing another podcast called the Turkey Science Podcast. Mm-hmm. And it's hosted by and created by Dr. Will Goosby and Dr. Marcus Lashley from University of Florida and Auburn, respectively. Yep. And they're going to start dissecting all these projects and all this stuff that's been learned about turkey research over the years and putting it down with, as my friend Kevin Matthews says, where the goats can eat it, where we can understand it and talk in, in lay terms about what these research projects reveal. Not just the ones that we're doing currently, but the ones that have, there's been so much money spent on turkey research over the years that never got the results never got implemented yeah so, 
you kind of never even see the published data half the time. <laughs> yeah, you definitely That's have right. to look for it. I mean, it's not easy That's to find. So if y'all can help us get the word out about that, that's that's a big outlay and a big initiative for TFT. These guys, if if, this, if the answers are going to be found, they're going to find it. And I tell everybody that I deal with, my job is not to influence these guys. My job is to enable them. And that's what TFT is doing. We're enabling them to go do what they think needs to be done to prove their points and then to go implement it. Does that make sense? Yeah, 100%. So it, it's called the Turkey Hunter Podcast. It's coming. No, no, that's yeah. you. <laughs> it's that's a great podcast. Turkey. Yeah, I like that one. <laughs> yeah, that one too. It's called the Turkey Science Podcast. <laughs> and that's coming down the pipe in the next couple of weeks. We sat on it. They're about, uh, they're going to do this weekly year round. And they're about, last I talked to the goons, be there like 32 episodes into 23. Nice. So yeah. that's going to be something that I think is going to raise some eyebrows again. There again, you can't do the same stuff and expect, expect different results. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. exactly right. And yeah. I forgive you being mad at me, Andy. <laughs> I'm glad you do, because my anger lasted about, oh, a tenth of a second. Well, I appreciate you guys so much. Y'all have been so kind and generous with your time and helping us try to do what we do. I will encourage all your listeners, if you if you have an interest in helping wild turkeys, go to turkeysfortomorrow.org and look at our, our social media posts on Instagram and Twitter and Facebook and follow us and just see what we're trying to do and join us. We're, we're we're working on enhancing what that $50 membership is. That's going to come in 23. We're going to put some added value to that. I'm at this time and one more make twice I've ever done this in my life, guys. So I got to figure out some of this stuff as we move, you know, day to day. Okay. So we're, we're trying to listen and, and, and put what you want to hear and what you want to see and, and make it, comfortable for you to be a part of this this is a if turkey hunters don't do this this is not going to get done it's not right so you're exactly our job right. is, is trying to unite turkey hunters to fulfill the mission of reversing the decline the decline of wild turkeys in this country yeah well i can get behind that goal i hope everybody can yes indeed Ron. and i am a member andy I don't know how you didn't get the news, man. I got uh, my Pistol Creek call sitting over here. They sent me and everything. I truly am mad at you. <laughs> as often as you and I talk, you never mentioned it to me. I just—I was planning on breaking out my fancy Pistol Creek TFT turkey call this spring and really making you jealous. So. Well, uh, you know, it would have sounded really good, I'm sure, but you would lose it the first your first yeah. hunt out in the woods, so I would never see that call. As uh, uh, soon as I kill one with it, and I jump up too excited and go grab him and go running back to the truck, I'll uh, I'll lose that call. Yeah, Guaranteed. just drop a pin where you are, and I'll run by there and pick it up, and then that way I can have one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'll be sure to do that. It'll be right next to your shotgun, I'm sure. <laughs> I do go back for those. <laughs> oh,
Ron, thank yeah. you, man. I appreciate you giving so much time this evening to, to chat with us and, you know, share your knowledge on traveling and turkey hunting and your experience on that and also sharing updates with us on TFT. And, you know, I just want to encourage all the listeners out there to, to go join. If you haven't joined, that's one thing you can do and, you know, consider making an additional donation as well. Thank you guys for having me on. Uh, like I said, you guys have supported us from the beginning and and it's a grassroots guys it's turkey hunters are going to do this and we're not going to let our turkeys go away so thank y'all yep thank you man we appreciate everything you do and i didn't know i was going to be lucky enough to see you in january here in uh what 10 days or so so i'm looking forward to that look for me i'll be the bald-headed ugly guy wearing a shirt that says andy on it well i'll be the fat old man so we'll try to find (laughs) each other in the crowd I got to tell you, that was some really good stuff on the traveling, but if the info on TFT doesn't get you fired up, man, yeah, just about the prospects of the future of wild turkeys, you know, if they can keep this going and they can keep getting matching dollars and keep getting corporate dollars involved, mm-hmm. it's, they're going to do some really good things, really good yeah. things. I'm, and already I'm are doing good things. I mean, I joined up. I've been going with them, and they're throwing money here to my state in Tennessee. I mean, look at yeah. that. There's some some payback right there, and I didn't even need it. You know, I'm, I'm excited to see the studies from other states, but it's kind of nice to know it's coming to Tennessee, Alabama, Mississippi, all over the place. They're, yes, indeed. They're blowing and going for such a young organization. Got me excited, and hope they continue to grow and. You know, like you've said and I've said, if a third organization wants to start up and get rolling that benefits turkeys, we'll join that one too. Heck yeah. <laughs> you better believe it. I'm in. If somebody's helping turkeys, I'm in. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I know so many people listening to this show are the same way. And so, you know, it, it's encouraging in that regard. You know, yeah. if, if there were a bunch of people out there who just didn't care about the birds, then, you know, that'd be one thing. But so many people, list, you know, especially the ones listening to this show, really do care about the birds and really do put their money where their mouth is and, and you know, their support and that kind of thing. Whether it's TFT or it's NWTF, you know, whatever the reason. Or it's, hey, instead of joining those organizations and making a donation, I'm going to put my money into managing this piece of property. Yeah. You know, whatever it happens to be. Then... Set some aside to benefit turkeys. Yes. Yes, indeed. So, man, just good things. And, you know, as down and out as those poult recruitment surveys were that were done, you know, and how how low the, the results were and how low that made me feel, just knowing that there's a group like TFT and a group like NWTF out there that are really getting after it and really devoting so much time and energy and efforts into research and habitat. And really, you know, I would say that's kind of where things have broken out with those two organizations is TFT seems to be very, very heavy in research. NWTF seems to be very, very heavy in habitat improvement. And so we we need it all. Yeah. And like Jolly told us, you know, TFT starting out with mostly research, but they're starting to get to where they're going to be starting to implement habitat and, yep. you know, trapping and all kind of different implementations backed by their research, yeah. which is kind of how I see the process going. Research it, figure out what the issues are, and then how do we fix it? 
<laughs> yes, indeed. <laughs> just just research alone isn't going to save them. It's going to take some action. Yeah. So it's, it's awesome stuff. I was excited. And that tip you gave about traveling with boots and all that stuff, I mean, that was some good stuff. And we've had a great series that we'll wrap up next week when you and me give our spiel on how to travel. Mm-hmm. Or how not to travel. <laughs> how not to. Yeah. yeah. I mean, half the battle here is, is learning things not to do, you know. So, There's a lot of truth to that. I figured one of them out the first trip I ever went on with you. So I'll, yes. I'll share that next week. Yeah. Well, it'll be good. That'll be a good show. That's something that, yeah. you know, we both got a good bit of experience with. And, you know, it's like you said, it's, it really and all of the guests we've had on so far have said, so much of what they learn have come from those mistakes. So, yeah. you know, to be able to learn from the mistakes of others without you having to be the one that suffers from that, that's the best way to learn. So yeah. it'll be good. Yeah. I'm looking forward to that one. And I have a feeling you and I are going to come up with the same favor of the week. But you go <laughs> if you've got one. If not, I've got it. Join turkeys for tomorrow. There it is. Become Boom. a member. So here's your play-by-play. Type in turkeysfortomorrow.org enter hit join today scroll down pick the membership level you'd like to be $50 $250 $2,500 for lifetime you get little prizes that come along with whichever membership level you choose there you go that's how you do it you hit sign up under which membership level you want you become a member you're going to get a sticker. You might get a call. Depends on the level you choose. And you'll be a part of an organization that is on the front lines of trying to figure out what's going on with turkeys and how can we fix it. And they're going to eventually be more in the implementation phase. So highly suggest joining up. You'll be able to look back hopefully in decades and say, hey, I was one of the first members there. Yep. So do that. Yep. Very cool. And then keep an eye out for the announcement about the foothold traps. Yeah. Because that is yeah, a those tough are price to beat. There as well. there's, yeah. a, there's a tab called Dog Proof Traps. You can order them there, and or you can hire a trapper. They have a phone number there to connect you with a trapper to come to your property. So check those resources out. It's a cool website. They got lots of stuff on there. Might pick you up a hat while you're in there, too. I got the kind of leather-looking hat with tft on the front i wear it i wear it on my trap line just seems right <laughs> there you go <laughs> <laughs> got a hat with pulse on it while i'm you know rocking the 22 up to a coon's head <laughs> yeah <laughs> just feels good yes indeed awesome man <laughs> why don't you wrap this up let's do it thank you guys so much for tuning in this week we know that you have choices we appreciate you spending your time with us we hope you have a wonderful week and we look forward to seeing you again next week at Unicoi. Goodbye. Goodbye. Thanks for tuning in. You were just listening to the Turkey Hunter podcast. If you enjoyed the show, please go on over to iTunes and leave a five-star review. And make sure to head over to www.iamturkeyhunting.com to subscribe for free turkey hunting tips tactics, strategies, and product reviews to help you have a more successful turkey season. And stay tuned for upcoming episodes on hunting afternoon birds, how to film your hunt, and the breeding cycle of hens, as well as some guest interviews. Thanks again for listening. We know your time is valuable, and we appreciate you sharing some of it with us. See you next week.